episode 54. I had you muted because of the chewing. Oh, never mind. Okay, do it for real. Can I go now? Yes. I'm just trying to keep Jimmy from driving to you and beating you to death with a shoe. It's like a it's like a thing that I have. It makes me see red. It's no offense. And now you're listening to the Give Me Five Podcast, episode 54. This is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining subjects. We discuss pop culture, entertainment, and a little bit of nostalgia. This week, we'll be breaking down The Midnight's new album, Kids, Halloween Horror Nights, and The House with a Clock in Its Walls. Then, based on our conversation, we come up with a top five list. Things like top five cosmic horror goblins, uh, anti-heroes, goosebump books, instant pot repices. I said repices. (laughs) Did I spell that wrong? Nope. I just said it wrong. (laughs) instant pot recipes or the best places to hide the corpses of drifters things like that i'm rob and here with my co-host jimmy hello and greg (laughs) together we are the give me five podcast well guys i will go ahead and do the spoiler for you since greg is going i'm good okay go ahead i'm good i'm good uh this is a show yeah it's not happening Guys, this is a review show, and there will probably be spoilers. Uh, we're going to try to avoid some major twists. Obviously, stuff like a new album, not going to have too many spoilers. But a movie might. Uh, so if you didn't know that... Nothing's better than Cheddar. Thank you, Cheddar Goblin. You're welcome. Or that Transformers are more than meets the eye. Then you might want to pause the show come back later. They are? Just a oh, little bit guess. more than meets the eye. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach out to us on Facebook by searching for the Give Me Five podcast. If you want to follow us on Instagram or Twitter, our handles are the same, at Give Me Five Pod. If you want to email us directly, you can shoot us a line at Give Me Five Podcast at gmail.com. And please, if you could help us out. Write us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you are listening to. We would really appreciate it. And if you really, really, really feel like helping out monetarily, you can check out our website, giveme5podcast.threadless.com. We have some super awesome merch on there. And all, anything that we make goes towards keeping the lights on. So all of those Give me five. The five is always spelled out F-I-V-E. And if you check out our Libsyn page, where you find all the descriptions for every episode, there is an Amazon link that you can make your, you know, your routine purchases through. And we do get a little extra of that. doesn't cost you any money. So anything new, guys? Yeah. Did you guys um, hear about Telltale Games? I did not. Are you familiar with Telltale? I saw the like the third news report about that. Okay, um, are you are you familiar with them all? Yeah, they do the, the more story based um, games. I I know the name. I couldn't tell you what games offhand that they actually produce, but I have heard the name before. Okay, they did like a Walking Dead game. They did it, a Batman game. Yeah, they're decision based games, kind of okay. choose your own adventure. Um, 
really fantastic stuff. They did Game of Thrones. They did Batman. Um, what's the one? The Wolfman one they, that they did. That one, I'm and, not sure. Uh, I forget what the full title of it is, but I'd say... You know, Wolf most, Among Us? Wolf Among Us. Um, people were really hoping for a sequel to that. The Walking Dead Telltale series was on its final uh, final season, and uh, you won't be seeing the end of Clementine's story because Telltale laid off all but about... I'm sorry, that's that's too nice of a term. They fired all but... Uh, 25 of their employees. So they laid off two, uh, I'm sorry, they fired 250 people. What was the, were they in danger of bankruptcy or something? What was the, uh, what was the logic behind it? Um, it was a, what, a, uh, company wide merger or some, something like that. No, they weren't. Um, I don't believe they were in, in danger of, uh, of bankruptcy, but they said, all right, you got 30 minutes to grab your stuff and get out. Yeah, there's a few things here. One, uh, both Jimmy and myself come into contact with quite a few people that have worked in video game companies. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, Jimmy. But you talk to them and like, oh, I work for so-and-so company. It's great. It's great. It's great. And then they get to the point of where it's like, yeah, you haven't seen the person in a while. And you're like, where have you been? Like, oh, I've been doing overtime. But it's nice. They allow me to keep my dog there. That's usually the conversation I have with them. Or it's cool. I got a cot and some Cheetos. Yeah, but, you know, we're working 16-hour days, if not more. And then you talk to them six months later and they're like, yeah, I was laid off and they didn't really pay me my the extra money for all that overtime I worked. And you really don't want to get in the video game industry. That's basically what no. they say. Um, um, yeah, the the employees were not, you know, they, they've done in the past where they, they had a round of, of layoffs before they paid uh, the employees that they laid off. They paid their the rest of the year. Um, these 250 people who are now without work um, were given no severance or anything. So you hear about this, you hear about, you know, Sony's parking lot firings. Um, you know, I just, I don't understand how companies are still able to get away with this, uh, inhumane treatment of their employees. Yeah. There, there is a lawsuit that was filed as a result of this. Cause there's a, an act called the Warren act W A R N basically saying that you have to give people at least 60 days. And that's for larger companies, which obviously telltale was, larger mm -hmm. and there's the federal warn act which is uh there's a lot of loopholes in that one but telltale games happens to be in california and there's a lot less loopholes in that one um so basically what the what the former employees are suing for is not to any money beyond what they're owed from what i saw you know they're like you should have let us know 60 days uh our benefit like their benefits run out basically at the end of this month so it's not Ugh. so like wow yeah. Where it's where it's supposed to be at least sixty days. So if there's massive layoffs, they let people know sixty days in advance. They at least get their payment, their severance, and their um, their benefits for the next sixty days, and that should be enough time for someone working for a major studio. Mm -hmm. But in this case, it's like, nope, sorry, you know, in a week everything's gone. Yeah, I mean, I've 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 been there. I have no malice towards you know my previous job at all, but I know what it's like to come in in the morning and be like, hey, why is the internet what not working? Mm -hmm. You know. Um, you no longer have access to it. Yeah, because you don't work here anymore. Um, that was it. Was a very small, very small company. I, you know, I can't imagine. So now, not only are you you out of work, your benefits are running out. Now you're competing with those 250 people. You know, wherever you're at for a job, and it just sucks for everybody. 
you know, there's some talk about, you know, they're seeking funding to finish this season of The Walking Dead, uh, the game. But, you know, I think it's just awful. And, you know, they're, um, they deserve to be treated like human beings, but also, you know, get what they're owed. Mm-hmm. I got a so couple it's, things. It's just another, it's, uh, sorry, I'm just going to say it's just another shitty, you know, bruise on the gaming industry. You know, after you know, hear about visceral, like I said, the Sony parking lot firings. It just it sucks. Mm-hmm. Well, what you got? I couldn't do that. Well, I got a couple uh, little bits of of news. First of all, uh, for the Misties out there, that's those are fans of Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Uh, I believe this year marks the thirtieth anniversary of the show, which it does. Yeah, because it started in nineteen eighty eight. You guys I, call each other that? No, it's just I. What, I don't. Okay, it's just what people are referred to them as. I, I would. Not, I do not call people that normally. Uh, they also announced that season eleven is gonna see the air on Thanksgiving, and that is important Ooh. because Mystery Science Theater started on Thanksgiving in the Minneapolis area, and then it went wide. And as because it started on Thanksgiving, what they would do is every Thanksgiving they would do a marathon called Turkey Day, which we covered in the past. So Netflix, of course, brought back Mystery Science Theater three thousand for the tenth season, and of course, it did well. So they they're doing the 11th season. Uh, so there will be 12 hours of Mystery Science Theater 3000 on Netflix on Thanksgiving, and I will be there. Where? Uh, probably in my bedroom, which is the only place I have Netflix. Oh. So I'll be there. And, except At when Net- I'm occasionally be- basting turkeys. All right. Robert, you, you're a fan, yeah? Um, I've watched it. I didn't really follow the show. I mean, I've I've enjoyed some of what I've seen. But I was yeah, never, I, I never really followed the show religiously. You're not a Misty? No, not I'm a Misty. not a Misty. Can I call you Misty? No. Oh. That was my mom's. You got anything to rub? That was my mom's Cocker Spaniel, Misty. I, I, well, I mean, I guess I could save mine for the, for the snap decisions. Cause yeah, I want to see what you guys thought about it. But, okay. That sounds good to me. Uh, the other little bit of news then is, uh, they were, there's an interview with R.L. Stein, who of course wrote Goosebumps. Yes! And he's had a couple books come out recently in the Goosebumps world, but uh, he, in mm. casually in an interview, he basically said, I think of Robert B. Parker, who just dropped dead at his keyboard. I think that's the way to go. Uh, anyway, I just signed on to do six more Goosebumps books. Mm. So he, And I'm so excited. More. I'm so stupid excited, man. I used to stay up all night. I, I can remember specifically staying up all night reading The Werewolf of Fever Swamp and thinking... It was, I don't know if the AC wasn't working, but I was sleeping on my dad's office's floor, the office that he had in, in the house. We had the, all the windows open, mm-hmm. and it was just uh, its such a great memory. I mean, I, I've got to thank the Goosebumps novels for really, really, really getting me into reading and enjoying it. So I don't care what age group these are targeted for. I can't wait. My big memory of Goosebumps, and Rob probably has the same, is always putting away the, the movies that they would release on VHS. Because mm-hmm. they were constantly being rented at Blockbuster. And thinking that it was so cool that the kids had something like that. Because I would have loved something that was scary, but not too overwhelmingly scary as a kid. Because back then it was like, we had basically Poltergeist, which was, I believe, PG, despite how terrifying it is. Uh, that was on uh, black and white TV, right? Yes. Yeah. Bleep, bleep me out. That's why we are. We had real scary stuff, not this cheese eating hand holding stuff. Cheese eating. Wow. Hand-holding. Where did that come from? What was that? Uh, it came know. from the Cheddar Goblin. The Cheddar Goblin. Oh, apparently. there you go. Tied it right back in. By the Cheddar Goblin. 
So does that mean we're moving on to Snap Decisions? I think it's time for Snap Decisions. I have one for you. I want to know what you think. Um, So serious, serious business or more of a, uh, more of a kind of attention grabber kind of thing that they didn't intend to keep anyway. Um, I want to know what you think. Batman's penis showing up in the comic book. Wow. That was actually my question as well. Oh, (laughs) both me and you were thinking way too long about Batman's penis. I was like, what? That's a thing? Why are they? Okay. It, it is a thing. It, it is. And I don't know why. I don't see the purpose of it. I, I know it's part of, uh, what is it? Batman? Uh, Batman Damned. Damned. Okay, so what Rob is talking about before we get into there, there's a comic called Batman Damned that came out. It was by Brian Azzarello, who's a crime writer, and Lee Bermejo. Uh, the story basically involves the Joker getting murdered and everyone thinking Batman did it. So it's a crime mm-hmm novel and it is the first book released under the black label imprint from dc which is very strictly aimed towards adults very similar to what marvel had with the max line so it'll be allow swear words it allows drug use and stuff like that in the book at one point batman is walking around in the bat cave after doing crime fighting and you can see the silhouette of the bat penis and it came out in printed form and then dc announced that they were going to take it out of future reprintings and digital so that's where we're at yeah wasn't it also i guess before they pulled it from digital um it wasn't it like significantly darker that that i don't know that i don't know what i do know is that my google search list now has the term bat penis in it because i had to because i had to see what the the whole deal was so uh jimmy so what do you think uh rob your question was was it a Attention grabber or serious business? Uh, I think it's an attention grabber. Uh, What better way to introduce your adult-oriented, adult-themed book and have it gain all the attention to get people into it? I I think it was a great marketing technique, I guess. I mean, it was on TMZ.com. It was everywhere. One Good of the job. former you, Batman writers said that, I guess his wife works at a hospital and people were like asking her about it, hmm. which of course got back to him was Scott Snyder, which got back to Scott Snyder. And he's like, what? Because he didn't um, write it. It's like, why is this? Good job, DC, but I find it unnecessary. And, and yeah. And, and I'll go with a little bit of something. Uh, that takes balls by the editorial. I mean, no pun intended there. Because Batman is, what, what would you, top 25 most important characters in the country? Like I would across say. across all media, I would say, and top ten, yeah, maybe top ten, uh, right up there with I don't know what Superman and whatever. But anyway, so doing something that risque with that type of character is it takes it takes risks. The thing that I don't really like about it is the fact that they went back on their idea. Um, there weren't a lot of people that would actually read the comic actually complaining about it, and if anyone bought that for their kids then they should have seen that it was an adults-only comic. It says it right on the cover. Um, but I do applaud the the risk that they took. And, I mean, honestly, what separates an adult comic from a kid's comic, the violence is the same. The only mm-hmm. thing really different is swear words and potential nudity. Yeah. And that's about it anymore. So, why not? What do you think, Rob? I th- I think it was... <laughs> no, 
that I was, think for it me was what they call in the wrestling business a cheap pop. Yeah. Um, because I don't think they intended to keep it in at all. I think it was completely intended to generate interest in the comic and then pull it out. And I think, I think as far as like what the comic is concerned, that it's a little irresponsible in that you're taking what is essentially considered a child's product um, and doing something specifically for adults, even if you put the warnings on it, um, do they have a separate section where they sell? I mean, is it separated from the regular comics or is it just out there with the regular comics? Well, that would vary between stores. Because to me, that would be like making a a completely 100% accurate Ken and Barbie doll that can completely interact with sex and everything and selling them right next to the Barbies. I mean, it's, it's not a product that's, that's, it's a product that's marketed at kids for adults, but then you're not really doing stuff to separate it from the kids. If that's, if that is in fact the case, um, I, I, I have a, I have a little bit of a problem with it. Now, if they were if they were going to run with it and leave it that way and make it specifically for adults, separate it so that kids can't pick it up and kids can't buy it, then that's something different. But I think this was a total, oh, oh, look what we did. Oh, it's a shame. Oh, we're going to take it back. Now all of that's a collector's item. Yeah. It was specifically to generate to generate revenue and generate interest and then pull it back. Now, as far as business decisions go, you know, they probably they very likely made money on it, but I think it was irresponsible. I don't disagree. That was also a very backwards way of announcing that the Give Me Five podcast is now going to be releasing anatomically correct Barbie and Ken dolls with That's right. actual sex motions. Actual <laughs> sex action. Yes. <laughs> so, excellent tie-in and... You let me dive. know as soon as that comes on the website and I will not buy those. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will buy them just to leave them on the shelf next to the regular Barbies. Nice. With... With our logo on so it. What Rob is saying is he thinks it's irresponsible, but he loves it. We're going to do it and sell them. Yes. Because that's a smart business decision. It is. Uh, well, Rob, you stole my snap decision, but Jimmy, I think you've got something fun planned. I do have something fun planned. And. Oh, you totally even had it written here. I didn't even read ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, no, that's fine. Um, if any two people were most likely to be thinking of Batman's dong, it was definitely going to be us two. So. Uh, probably. That's true. So I don't have a snap decision, but I have a, a game for you guys Ooh. because I think these are really fun. It ties into the album that we're going to talk about here in a little bit um, because they play a lot of clips from commercials from the 80s. Um, so I came up with 10 slogans or catchphrases from commercials in the 80s, and I want to see if you guys um, can guess what they are. Okay. Okay. And we will. Uh, we'll I've written down score. a scoreboard here. Okay, thank you. I was I was going to ask. Um, so I sent out a test question last night, and it was, "Hey, you know, let's do this." So, okay, fine. And I asked, "All right, so for example, more than meets the eye." And Greg answered, "Dominoes." I was kidding. I don't care. You're still negative one point. No, no. I'm I'm in control of the scoreboard, and I know that that was GoBots. <laughs> He's going to punch me in the face the next time he sees me. <laughs> I'm going to punch you in the stomach. I'm going to oh. drive over and punch you in the stomach. That'd be and a make terrible you idea. I'm going to be over your way soon. So Terrible idea. Let's go ahead and get... As we are recording here, I am possibly food poisoned, which is why all these comments have happened by um, a microwave stromboli that I ate last night for dinner. Oh, that was a man. poor decision. It's a very poor decision. Good one, Rob. So we'll start... 
kind of easy. Um, I don't know. I think most of these are easy, but they're fun and they'll hopefully inspire some conversation, you know, uh, and, uh, bring back some good memories. So where's the beef? Burger King. Wendy's. Wow. Greg. Burger King. Is it a Burger King? No, it's Wendy's. It's Wendy's. (laughs) That's why I said, wow. Point to Rob. I really thought that was Burger King. What was the Burger King one? Oh, that was, that was, uh, Herb, right? Are you? You're not okay. Did you eat some mushrooms from the backyard? I did not. Okay. All right. It's, it's Wendy's 100%. He's going to be mad the rest of the game that he missed that. (laughs) I'm going to be mad. And I know he's furiously Googling it to try and prove that he's right. And then he'll realize he's not and be like, oh. Yeah. It was Herb that was Burger King. Yes. So let's let's try this one then. Two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. That would be McDonald's. Okay. Yes. All right. I've fallen and I can't get up. Life alert. Okay. The life alert. Yeah. Nope. Life call. Life call? Did they change yep. the name? Is it still the same company? Does that count? We'll give it to both of you. Um, Life Call. It's uh, like medical. Like no, it's still Life Call. LifeCall.com. So I'm not going to give it to you guys. It's Life Call. Life Alert is more of a is. I think Life Alert might be the the service that is like an alarm fire thing that Life Call attaches to. I believe. But continue. Yeah. Uh, just started watching that commercial. It's so sad because all those people are dead now. Um, <laughs> wow. Is that because their life call didn't work? Because they would be 125 years old. <laughs> yeah. So uh, moving on, we've got who broke my window. That is that is a clue in that. Who broke my window? That one I do not know. Rob? Uh, no. All right. So. You might not know that this was actually a thing in the 80s, uh, late uh, the 70s and 80s, but I specifically pulled one from the 80s. It was a commercial starring a very young Alfonso Ribeiro from what? Uh, well, Fresh yeah. Prince, Punky Brewster. Yeah, yeah Fresh Prince, yes. Punky Brewster. That's Those were the two big ones. It was a commercial for the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. The Mormons ran a marketing campaign in the 70s and 80s. Uh, you know, espousing the uh, virtues of telling the truth and being a good person. And not and drinking caffeine. Perhaps uh, getting you to join their church. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? It's actually kind of, yeah, I never understood those commercials. I They, they always started off as, you know, kind of moral, this is the right way to live. And then it was like, by the way, if you want to know more, check out yeah. the Latter-day Saints. Yeah, I remember those, but I don't remember that specific one. It, it's It's pretty funny. It's like, they're singing. The guy's going, who broke my window? And Alfonso Ribeiro's walking. He broke it with a baseball, and he's, like, singing to himself, saying, oh, you know, telling the truth but should be easy, but why is my stomach queasy? And the guy's like, you're going to have to pay for this, but you told the truth, and that's honorable. It's, yeah, it's interesting. Wow. Uh, a little uh, – it should be an easy one. Uh, we wear short shorts. Nair. Nair. Nair yeah. for short shorts. Yes. Now you're playing with power. Power glove. Or the, the mm-hmm. Nintendo power glove. Okay, so yeah. Nintendo. Okay, now I've, I've climbed my self back in here, so mm-hmm. I don't feel as, as angry. Go on. Okay, good. Um, to, okay, well, 
complete this line, yeah, even though it's it's for the product. Go for it, red. Go for it, black. Go for it, really. Go for it, red. Go for it, black. Go Connect for four. it. Connect four. Yeah. Wow, nice. Got one. Uh, also finish the line. Uh, pardon me, but do you have any? Break upon. Break upon. Mm. Well, I mean, you both got it, but Rob was first. Now, the next one, the last one, number 10 for all the marbles. For effective douching any time of the month. Mass and Gill? Summer's Eve? Oh, no, it's Mass and Gill. Oh, it is Mass and Gill. Yep. Good job, Rob. Mass and Gill. I know my one. douches. Because <laughs> Rob is, in fact, a douche canoe. Or as his, or as <laughs> or his douche canoe. Yeah, or as his truck's uh, voice. To text to voice thing says a douche canoe canal cano <laughs> douche canal douche cano douche cano that's a good one well thank you guys for playing along we are tied we are tied 4-4 four, four. oh no that's okay i'm going to f- i will find a tiebreaker avoid the noid dominoes yeah wait i'm not playing <laughs> I will find a tiebreaker, and I actually have one in mind. Let me look it up real quick. Why don't you guys go ahead and continue, and we'll revisit Final Jeopardy music. Rob's going to just label everything from here on out. Interesting fact. Did you know that that Jeopardy theme song is exactly 30 seconds? Makes sense. They give you 30 seconds to write your answer, and the theme song is exactly 30 seconds. Okay. Tiebreaker. You can't beat that feeling. Is that Pepsi? Rob, you want to give it a shot? You can't beat that feeling. Greg, what did you say? Greg said Pepsi. What do you say, Rob? I think I was wrong. I didn't. Did I actually have to that? Does that count? I think. You're in the same. Yeah, I, think it's I'll Coke. Say Coke. I think it's Coke. Yeah. It is Coke. So yet again, we stayed tied, but I'll give it to Rob. Yay! Rob wins something. Uh, I will punch Greg in the stomach for you. Yes! Make him poop. Or vomit, you know, whichever works. Next week, we're going to do lead singers of death metal bands. Mr. I won something. I will be absent. <laughs> I, I can, oh, you know what? How about next week we do lead singers of death metal bands, real or fake? I would like that. Okay. <laughs> got it. I will get all of them wrong. Nah, you did all right last time. Well, I've got a 50-50 shot. It's yes or no. Yeah, that's true. Our first topic today is going to be the new album from the midnight and that album is called kids I believe it was uh, it was actually released last friday yes yep so it'll have been out in like two weeks by the time you guys hear this episode mm-hmm. uh i've listened to the album multiple times probably eight or nine it's, it's actually not very long so it's easy to to do when working the album is just shy of 40 minutes mm-hmm. i did album air quotes yeah, and I don't know, we'll do a little bit of a breakdown of it. Uh, first of all, I guess we should probably just say we are huge fans of The Midnight. They have absolutely lots of favor, and we, yeah. of course, use some of their music, which you longtime listeners know this. We used some of their music in our opening thing, and that was not just random. We actually contacted them, and they said, okay. Um, I've chatted with them multiple times. Very nice I, guys. And we have some connections to them loose, but there's a few connections to them through coworkers and stuff. Yeah, I I really really wish um you know they they released this album and they are going on a world tour that does not include a stop in Orlando or Florida or anywhere in Florida for that matter. And they probably won't stop here after uh I say what I have to say about the album. So, well that leads of course that means that Jimmy 
didn't like it as much as I did. I, I like some of it a whole lot. Uh, there's other parts I will I will skip through. Uh, first of all, the the aesthetic of the album is some of the best aesthetic, like artistic, like the art, the way they advertised it, the just the imagery, A plus across the board. If you can look at one image from the cover of the album or from an Instagram post about the album, and immediately brings me back, especially growing up in South Florida, where everything was you know glass block and neon, aquamarine and pink neon tubes everywhere and stuff like that. So. I love that part, and it really it did give me the good feel for the album. I would have to say same here, though I did not grow up in South Florida. Rob, have you seen uh, any of the art from the album, any of the pictures, anything yet? Uh, no, I haven't actually seen any of the album art. We, we talked about it at one point like, a couple of weeks ago, and I think you might have looked it up. Oh, okay. It was like an, arca- like an arcade in a mall with like a pizza shop that was closed. I think it might have ended up on something Maybe. that we did. But anyway, uh, so what did, you, what did you think of the album? Like, just summarize um well i mean as you know it's it's not really my thing um however i do i do fall into the the stereotype trap um and and it drives me insane because i always i always get in well not always get into it but you know when when i talk about like music that i like which is you know country and and people always throw away my opinion by saying oh well country's all just depressing music my dog died my truck broke down my wife left me blah 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 without even considering that country is not really that i mean stereotypes don't come from nowhere but that's that's not really what country music is and my idea of what's what's the actual genre that uh, the midnight falls into oh god um yeah i know l- loosely synth wave Retro wave, some people call it. Vocal synth wave is kind of... Timmy Capello called it retrofuturism. I'm sticking with that. Okay. Go ahead. Well, you know, my my idea of... My my preconceptions of, like, synth music and, and all of that is, like, the, the electronic music, the the, uh, the driving beats, the non-vocal, just the, the same beat over and 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 over. So I don't really listen to it a whole lot. Whereas... Um, I, the exposure- I call that techno right with that's the, what i call it with the exposure that i've had to the midnight um i have discovered that that some of them do have some very nice um vocal and melodic aspects to them it's not all just driving synthetic music and what and whatnot it's so, some of it actually has some really nice sound to it um much like i know i know that greg has discovered several country songs that he likes you know it's not all you know when you find stuff that doesn't that isn't really old school country I I like some like early '90s country. I like old school country. I'm just saying, like I love Garth Garth Brooks growing up. But like when when I when it comes to like this kind of music, um, I have to get out of that stereotype that that you know I don't really care for all of it because there's there's so many different subgenres and genres and everything that falls into that electronic music category that and, and some of it's actually pretty good. There were there were one or two songs on here that I enjoyed. Um, for the most part, it was all okay. Well, speaking of stereotype, first of all, uh, when I got back from Boston, I took an Uber back from the airport, and the guy was listening to like Boston. Very no, he was li- listening to very up tempo Spanish music. With and he, as I got in the car, I was wearing just jeans and a Pearl Jam T shirt. I got in the car. He looked over at me, looked me up and down, and immediately set the um, the radio station to a country station. And I was like, ah! wow. <laughs> and you're like, I, like I, hate you. I was like, no, actually, 
you could go back to the previous stuff. There was a bit of a language difference. I was like, no, it's fine. You can leave on whatever. But yeah, definitely not into country. He had it pre-programmed in, so I think he had like default white guy <laughs> country. <laughs> you hit the white guy button. Uh, yeah. What would have been movie. hilarious is if he had just had it labeled white guy. Yeah, white guy. Like, and then Big and Rich comes on. 16-year-old girl that plays like Taylor Swift. whatever Justin Bieber or Taylor Swift or something. No, I think it's – is it – um ariana grande now or something i don't know that's uh something you get at starbucks right yeah and ariana grande i i I like that with a shot of espresso in it anyway so what's funny i there is some songs on this album i really like Mm -hmm. and actually pull the entire album up for me which ones are those but um i really like the song wave wave is is good so when I i first started listening to the album i was actually listening to it on headphones as I was walking to my car. And when I was listening to the song wave, I actually did that thing where I kind of paused keys in hand outside of my car, like listening to what he was saying about, the, did you start doing about, the wave? No, no, oh, no. Okay. But more like about how we're not a sentimental age. And it, there's one of the lyrics, which you wrote down, mm-hmm. that talks about like how in this era, things come and go really quick. Whether it be musicians, they, he, he mentions like, you know, people don't keep stuff as much. People just have random hookups, that kind of thing. I was like, well, that's kind of an interesting way of saying it. And it's also really well-written song-wise, like lyrically. Mm-hmm. It's that song I really like. I actually really liked the various commercial things, although I know in multiple listenings, because they're kind of long, I know that'll probably get cut off, which is why, of course, we did the the commercial thing earlier is because they play some commercials. They play some some quotes about video games because like, when video games were a new fad, they would have all these news reports like, is this dangerous for kids? Yeah. It's taking over the ch- the minds of the children, which computers. is computers. The same thing they said about rock and roll music in the past. Same thing they said about comic books in the fifties and forties. Mm-hmm. You know, are computers going to be bad for people? And then there's clips. I think it's like a clip of Reagan talking about computers and stuff cell like that. phones. Yeah, yeah, cell phones now. You know, it's there's always that fear of like, what's this going to do? And then people just adapt to it and move on to the next thing. Um, but I there are. The fact that the album is short and there's two songs that are almost, well, they are exactly the same, that, mm. you know, I could trim those two songs off and it, the album just gets shorter. Well, you could you could trim those songs off and you could trim, you know, the non-songs that are on there. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about youth, um, Saturday mornings. Saturday morning interlude, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and and I, those, the first time I heard them, I was like, oh, these, these quotes are cool. And then I'm never going to listen to those tracks again. Like if I have, if I have my, my hand on the, you know, I can skip those. I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but in all honesty, like the track, like Saturday mornings is so short anyway, that if you don't have your hand on it, it's like, yeah, whatever. I mean, like I wouldn't walk across the room to skip it because I realized that, well, you know, it's 30 seconds long. It'll be done. Mm-hmm. And I don't, the singer and the producer, I think that's the way it breaks down. The singer has a really awesome range, as you put here. Yep. And as you can tell, just from his just hearing him. And I don't know if it's the singer that doesn't trust himself or the producer that's like, well, let's we need to do something else. But there's a lot of vocal manipulation, especially on the past two albums of theirs. Yeah, and that that bothers me. I'll, I'll go ahead and continue your thought because I'm I'm gonna dive into that. So their second album was my favorite, and one of the favorite songs on it is a song called Nighthawks, and there's a lot of vocal manipulation on that one too. Oh, like it's all and 
Yeah. And for some reason, that one I'm not, it doesn't bother me as much, obviously, because it's one of my favorite tracks. But I've listened to that there's a lot today. of like bend, bending the vocals and doing the, the repetition thing and adding flange and echo. I'm not an audio person. I just play one on in podcast land. But I don't think it's necessary at all. And I think it gets in the way. It does. Like a lot. And I think I, I know you feel the same way because we, dis- we discussed this yesterday at work. Yep. Yeah, it it I, I, I don't know if it's like it's just their thing, like the thing that Tim McEwen likes to do. Um, but I find myself hitting those parts in a song and going, ah, oh, damn it. You know, there there are a couple in particular um, on the song Wave, which, you know, I like and that you really like. There's mm-hmm. this sample that plays for no reason. And it's that mm-hmm. it's this computerized voice that says, I will keep dreaming. But it, it goes it, it says it over and over and over again. And it goes, I will keep dreaming. I will keep dreaming. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how many times in a row, but it got annoying. It, it, and that wasn't even a vocal manipulation. But on um, the track Explorers, which I, I really got into, I really dug the lyrics um, you know, some, some kind of throwbacks, some some references in there, but for no reason, his voice is manipulated um, on the, the hook or whatever you want to call it. It's, mm-hmm. I am on my way, which would, I would have been so fine with, with Tyler Lyle just singing that. But for some reason, it goes, I am on my way. And it's just this, like, whoa, why? Mm-hmm. And that, that really just... Now, now I listen to tracks like Lost Boy, which, you know, we talked about before, and I, I loved it. But now I hear the vocal manipulation in that, and I just – I I dislike it. I was about to say I hate it. Uh, I dislike it the more and more I hear that, and it makes me and then so sad. <laughs> then, of course, there's a repetition, and there's something about repetition. I I saw a thing recently where someone said that you don't realize how long a song is that you like until you're playing it for a group of people that you realize don't like it. Oh. And you're like loving the song. You look around, everyone's like, oh, like you're at a party or, a, you know, in class or something like that. I am immediately reminded of listening to Nirvana Unplugged um, in, a, in a classroom with a bunch of students. And when he was, I think he was doing like My Girl or something, his voice is purposefully out of tune on per- like, it's part of the song. Mm-hmm. And the people in the class just didn't get it. And it was like, it kind of got that wave of like, almost embarrassment or like, that like flush forehead, like, oh, like, but this is a classic album, which is weird to say, but so I get that kind of weird feeling. Mm-hmm. And uh, with kids, the repetition, something that was pointed out to me once a long time ago, just parent conversations. My dad was like, why do you listen to the music that has the same thing over and over again? I'm like, it's just the chorus. And then you hear something like kids, which is basically the same thing over and over again. Not just one song, but two songs. And, and I put down why. I don't need that mm. twice. I don't, I don't really, don't, I, I could go with the first part of that. Um, the lyrics are interesting, but it, it's so repetitive and I'm driving with my girlfriend. We're on our way to dinner and I'm so excited about this. And it, it goes back to, you know, kind of what you were saying. I'm so excited about this album. I've heard Lost Boy. I've heard America too. And kids comes on and I'm like, okay, well, this is the, this is the, what they named their album. You know, this is the, the titular track, if you would. Mm-hmm. And my girlfriend goes, she like looks down at the ring and goes, this is not a good song. And I was like, you know what? You're right. 
it's which is weird because the same thing i was not driving with your girlfriend i was actually uh, cleaning french bulldog pee out of my kitchen floor and as I just had the music on as one is apt to do when they have a french bulldog yeah. that likes to pee on the kitchen floor and my wife was across the kitchen help you know helping my son get dinner or something and she kind of looked up she's like this song kind of sucks it's like yeah i was like well i actually i mean i like that lyric once that lyric group about like the spare bedroom and how it became it was something that scared the kids because it was this empty room in the house and now it's even more scary and kind of a place where they just like do drugs mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what it seemed to me because of plant closings and divorce and all this other stuff arcade closing at the mall yeah the arcade closing at the mall. and it's a good thought and i really wish they would have expanded on it and do other things similar to that how do things change from when you're a kid to an adult other than just this one room in the house because there's a lot of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. there's stuff we talk about on this show riding around on your bike you know the the weird neighbor finding out if they really are a weird neighbor or if there's something more going on in their life there's all that kind of stuff um I, so that's that um overall i like the album i think i'm gonna i will probably listen to it in full still but i will grab several songs off of it kind of put it in my little synth wave mix that i play when i'm driving or we play in class i think that's kind of where it falls for me yeah it uh it there there are songs that i i i like that i won't skip but uh largely i i, I feel like it's a, a hollow album um that's the kind of the best uh that's the word that pops into my head every time it it feels and i wrote this down it it feels so much like a themed album that doesn't really capture the theme there's there's like references and they pull these clips from 80s commercials and stuff like that but it just really doesn't work for me it's not you know i like i've liked the previous albums by the midnight because there's something you can dance to um not that I'm a huge dancer myself, but they, they kind of make you move around a little bit. They uh, they charge you up. You know, it's good stuff to to listen to while you're working on a project. Um, this album is not. Um, there's no saxophone on this album, <laughs> and and I'm laughing at 15 year old me is laughing at me so hard for saying that mm-hmm. as a as a like a knock on the album. Um, and I, I really, you know, I, I know they probably don't want to pigeonhole themselves, but I would have loved to hear another track with Nikki Flores. Mm-hmm. Any track with Nikki Flores is good. She's great. She's got incredible control over her voice. Um, there, there's no, for me, there's no hip shaking or hard hits, uh, and and there's a lack of guitar on this album that makes it just feel very thin to me. Mm-hmm. But as I said before, there's at least two or three songs from this album that will go on my white boy mix for the next time I'm in, I'm in an Uber. Yeah. Hey, um, make sure that I don't have to hear no, some kind of sir. song about... How do I connect your Bluetooth, please? <laughs> That's what... The, the song I heard was something about um, about a, uh, a community dance, by the way, the country song that he played. I don't live that far from the airport. So there's like three or... Only got about three or four songs, but there was definitely something about um, like a, a, hoop, a hoopty kind of dance thing i don't know what those are called foursquare foursquare four four rob help foursquare is a (laughs) check-in thing it's like yeah no trying to figure this out a what dance dance? yeah i think it was like a bar dance like or a barn dance okay that's what the boot scoot and boogie sure we'll say that it wasn't that song or dust dust on my boots or something what's that watermelon one dance the dust right off these boots tonight maybe maybe because his truck broke down and his, his dog died. That's yeah. an unfair 
stereotype. Someone actually did that to me. I, I made that stereotype once and someone got mad and was like, it was my old roommate a long time ago. Uh-huh. I was like, no, sure that's not true. Right? Look, and put on the, no, it was not. Um, put on country and was like, look, it's not. And he just randomly picked a country channel and it was about a girl leaving him and breaking and stealing his truck and whatever. I was like, told you. He's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> it was on, this was on the radio, so he couldn't actually like flip around. This was a while ago. And then he peed yeah. on your kitchen floor. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I come across somebody who makes that argument, I'm just like, all right, you, you obviously do not have any idea what you're talking about. This conversation isn't going to go anywhere. So, all right. Is the deal with it's country rap still a thing? Um, people trying to, I think it still is in certain, in certain songs, but I don't know that they have a, I don't know. I think they've kind of gotten away from doing the whole song country rap. Yeah. Gotcha. Kind of like a uh, a thing featuring so and so, you know what I mean? Well, Rob, you warned us that you were going to go see this movie. I did. And then you did go see this movie. I did. And now you're going to tell us and our listeners about this movie. So tell us about the house with a clock in its walls. Um, I was I was actually really excited to go see this movie because I I mean I'm a big kid at heart and it looked like a fun um, fantasy type, uh, almost like a kids kind of adventure and that's essentially what it was and I, i'm very happy because it was it, it was exactly what i expected it to be um it had the stupid the stupid laughs at at certain moments that i like it kept moving it was a nice pace it the the story wasn't wasn't too in your face but one of the things for me that really kind of helped this movie along was um the two main actors actually jack black and kate blanchett we're both actually fantastic in this movie, and and I can't I can't express how much I actually actually like Jack Black as an actor when he's actually playing a role. Very often he steals the show. I mean Jumanji, case in point. He was the <laughs> highlight of that movie. Oh my god, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm just thinking of like some of the movement. I mean, when when he actually plays a role, and and I'm and I'm not talking like because. Because to me, School of Rock was Jack Black kind of doing the Jack Black persona. Sure. Um, Because I don't know that Jack Black acts like that all the time, but I think he feels like that's what people think Jack Black is like. So when he's playing Jack Black, I'm like, eh. But when he actually plays a role, I think he's fantastic. Um, And Jumanji's a perfect uh, example. In High Fidelity, High Fidelity seemed – have either of you guys seen that? No. But he was also he was also very funny in Tropic Thunder as well. Well, in in High Fidelity, he plays like this slacker, like mm-hmm. guy that works at the rec- the record store, and he's always trying to get people to come see his band, come see his band, whatever. But everyone knows him as the slacker, and they go see his band, and he's actually really good. Mm-hmm. And they're like, everyone, everyone kind of does the double take, and it's kind of like that acting wise. Where people what? Like, oh, just, yeah, everyone he they he sings a uh, sexual healing, and he like nails it. Nice. Um. But acting-wise, people are like, you know, what are you, uh, you know, like, you think of Jack Black as just the schlub and, you know, crazy hair, wild eyes, rah, you know, yeah. slacker. And then he nails a role and you're like, oh, okay. He he can do this. All right. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed him as as Uncle Jonathan and Kate Blanchett and him in the movie have a, uh, they, they state several times, a purely platonic relationship. And they have they they jive they take little jabs at each other you know like like friends do like you and I do, um, Greg. What douche canoe? Exactly. Yes. 
Um, but they take little jabs at each other and, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a very friendly and open relationship between them. Um, and, and it really, it really helps the movie in my opinion, but it was, I mean, it's, it's hard to say it was exactly what I expected it to be. And I'm so glad it was because I actually really enjoyed the movie. And it's, uh, it's directed by Eli Roth, which, um, for those who don't know is, is slightly impressive simply because he's also the person that brought us Hostel. Yes. Which is a completely different type of movie. Absolutely. Um, really almost like torture porn. The, like, yeah, torture porn. That's what I was just going to say. He kind of brought torture porn to the forefront. Mm-hmm. And of course, as you said the other day, Jimmy, well, what was his part in uh, in uh, Inglorious Bastards? He was the bear Jew. Nice. So nice. he, you know, he, I, th- I think he was good in that role. Um, I am a fan of some of his work. Um, I am not at all a fan of the torture porn genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's not entirely his fault. Uh, but I, to see yeah, that there's it, not a demand, it wouldn't do well. It yeah. wouldn't be made. So, um, mm-hmm. I I was surprised to see that. You know, seeing the trailer, I'm still very interested in seeing it. Uh, seeing the trailer and then seeing, directed by Eli Roth, I'm like, wait, what? What? <laughs> wait, what? Is this a kid's movie? You know what I, f- I find weird about the torture porn thing? I, I very rarely have ever run into guys that like those kind of movies. Like, we, Jimmy and I, really? of course, we talk, we talk to our students about horror movies because we do a horror movie project or horror TV channel project. Or I'll, we'll be talking to people at Halloween Horror Nights and like, oh, what's your favorite horror movie? Whatever. And most of the times, the people that that I run into that really like the, the torture porn type movies like Hostel and Saw and stuff like that are usually females, which I find very strange. Hmm. I just don't talk to people who are into those. Like even the other night at Halloween Horror Nights, uh, that one, that girl that was with us, the, when she listed off the horror movie she liked, mm-hmm. um, some of them were like really not underground, but like she mentioned Slither, which was not torture porn, but then she mentioned stuff like Green Room and things like that. Mm-hmm. I was like, really? And she's like, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I decided to go into nursing. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's frightening. Okay, go uh, on. At which point I called you and said, where, where are you, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> Save me. I'm going to leave, I'm going to, uh, leave your girlfriend's group of friends now and um, find you. <laughs> so I read a clip, and this is a question I wanted to ask you. Uh-huh. Um, that this movie contains one of Eli Roth's most disturbing moments. Uh, and that's, that's a, that's a stretch. This, this comes from bloody disgusting.com who I love. I go to every day, but they highlight a scene in the film and this coming from the director of hostile and green inferno. You guys haven't seen that. Um, it's just a cannibal Holocaust remake. Basically. Uh, ah. there's a scene involving, uh, a baby. Oh, <laughs> now was was that funny or was it unsettling? It it was a little of both, actually. Okay, um, I, I I leaned a little bit more towards the funny, okay. the funny portion of it. Um, do you want me to do you want me to tell you what that scene was? Or I've you, read it. Oh, okay, I read about it. And I go, man, that sounds actually really funny. It, with, I uh, I found it very amusing. So but it, I'm also the sick person who laughs like in the movie The Wolfman when the guy gets his head pulled off by the wolf by the werewolf. So that's kind of funny. It, it totally was hilarious. Um, at an hour and forty five minutes, I, I think uh, House with the Clock in Its Walls is. Um, what would you say, Rob? 
would you say how did we do this? Did we do Dollar Theater, Five Dollar Tuesday, College Discount? Uh, which I don't know why you listed that one, Greg. Or full it price. Was school, it was discount. It oh, was that's... full price, uh, Five Dollar Tuesday, uh, Dollar Movie, or Rental. I think it was. Or was there was there an extra no, one? No, in there? It was it was Opening Day. It was full. Yeah, it's full price Opening Day. Yeah, that's about right. You just went backwards. Yeah. Yeah. So I would. <sighs> If if you're done talking about the film, uh, you're I also I do have some questions as well. Okay, well, so we're not done yet. We'll get to. It. I would definitely give it not a not a full price, but it's definitely worth a five dollar Tuesday. Tuesday, I think I'll have Tuesday. to. Yeah. I'll go see it on a Tuesday then. Tuesday, yeah, it's it's definitely a five dollar Tuesday movie. Okay, so I was reading one of the little subreddits that I'm attached to is the horror movie one, mm-hmm. and there was a redditor. I'll give him credit here because one his name is glaive of kroll so nice. right there Ooh. i'm good which was in uh ready player one yep it was and also in kroll nah, yes yeah. so he said that he you're making he gave up. a review from a parent's perspective which i thought was really interesting and he said that he has a five-year-old that is not really scared of anything and loves horror movies and within reason and a seven-year-old who's more of the timid one mm-hmm. um brought them to the movie and said the five-year-old actually asked to leave a couple times even uh-huh. though that was the one that, whereas the seven year old loved it. Huh. And he said he was the reason I referenced this earlier. He said he was reminded of when he was a kid and there wasn't PG 13 yet. And that horror movies usually fell in line with our hard, like hardcore horror or PG where it was like, wow, this is really only PG. As I've said before, poltergeist is one of those where you're like, Whoa, that was yeah. only PG. It's crazy. Um, God, was so it really? for the, yeah. So for the, the parents out there, uh, what do you think of this movie and what like age group would you suggest? I would uh, honestly, as the, I think that Redditor had it right on the nose. I would probably say it's somewhere in the seven year old range. Um, Six year olds, probably okay. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I would probably even take my five year old to see it um, mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, they might have some kind of, they, they might have an issue and want to leave. They gotta learn someday. Exactly. Tough it up. I don't no, know. When I was a kid. There were there were certain movies like with a, f- a fantastic slight horror aspect. Uh, some what comes to mind: uh, Never Ending Story, that kind of stuff. Well, I told as a big fantasy movie. Then there's a part in it you're like, whoa, and like that screwed me up. Yeah, uh, well, I remember. Oz, I remember one. when I was a kid, I actually made my dad leave um, the Dark Crystal. We went to yep, go see I the was Dark Crystal. Just about to say that. And I and I made my dad leave. Secret of Secret of Nim, which I don't know if you guys saw that. That was horrifying. Um, Classic. Et scared the crap out of me. Uh, Fantasia with all the Satan stuff. Mm -hmm. Night on Bald Mountain. I didn't see that one. That's Fantasia. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha. That's Night on Bald Mountain is the section where the Chernabog is. What were you saying about about leaving the theater? That that when I went to see the Dark Crystal with my dad when I was a kid, I got so scared we had to leave the theater. (laughs) <laughs> and it was it was right at the point where where the old lady started taking her eyeball out. Ah, oh yeah. So it was you read freaking bird things, man. If you read Jim Henson's book, the the banquet scene mm-hmm. was supposed to be like significantly longer, and he really wanted it to be as gross and over the top as possible, and last for like fifteen to twenty minutes. Wow. And finally, like, no, that has to be cut down. <laughs> I can't wait for the Netflix series. Oh, are they making a Netflix series about Dark Crystal? Yeah. Oh. <gasps> It's it's not about the Dark Crystal. It's it's called Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Nice. Yeah, dude. Oh, I can't wait. Hellhouse got a great review too, by the way, Jimmy. Oh, awesome. 
Yeah, on uh, Wait, I think Hell? Bottom Bloody Disgusting. Is it Legend of Hell House or whatever? The the House upcoming on... show. House on Haunted Hill. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, it's almost October. Yeah. So in 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 summarization, I actually really really enjoyed the movie. Um, you don't necessarily need to go full price or op- or or opening night. I don't know that you. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend IMAX or 3D or anything like that. But it's definitely worth five dollar Tuesday. Uh, guys, I, I have to reveal something to you, and I'm a terrible terrible person. Okay, and, you're going to reveal yourself. And I owe my lovely wife an apology, and she's forcing me. I mean, she told me that it would be a good idea to apologize to her because just the other day I finished her Ben and Jerry's ice cream. What? And, That's not yours. And also, I was I used some of her uh, creamer, like her soy creamer, in my coffee the other day, and both of these things happened on the same day. And she said that she is staring you down right now. No, she's not staring me down at the moment. But okay. she did. She did suggest that we are actually recording early today. Correct? As mm-hmm. well, yes. we know this. People out there don't know it. And she was like, "Well, are you recording before I get home from work? Because you're scared I'm going to put something in the script about how much of a terrible person I am." You know, meaning yes. <laughs> so she you, said she would. She would you like. Sir, are a monster. I am a monster. And she said that I didn't, the thing that was funny, she said I didn't even bother to hide the fact that I finished up the creamer. I just put the thing in the recycling bin. I didn't even try to cover it with anything, which I thought was actually nice. I was very proud of it. Letting her know that there was no more creamer. <laughs> no, there's like, there was like six more of them in the garage. But so that is my public apology to my lovely, adorable wife. Well, wait a minute. If there were six more in the garage, what was the problem? I, I don't know. It's I, like- I didn't. 200 not... degrees in the garage. No, I'm in sure it's the in the fridge in the garage. Yeah. Did you not restock? Is that what happened? I'm a little scared to ask that question as to why. So I think it's because regardless of how much that stuff we buy, it's only available in one store and we don't go to that store very often because it's store? not in our, uh, it's at Target. Okay. And it's all the way in the back and, you know, going to a Target in a college town is always busy as hell. It's no longer at Publix. It's no longer at the other store. I think that's the reason. But either way, you're, any more of this conversation is only going to get me in trouble. Not really. but Dude, going to a, a Target in a college town is – it's so funny you say that because my girlfriend and I, quite a while ago, um, we went to Target one night to grab something, and it was college night. Oh, God. And they were, like, playing games all around the store and stuff. They had a photo booth. We went in there and got our pictures taken. <laughs> and they just thought we were college students. I'm like, oh, that's cute. Thank you. Well, like, the front of the Target is usually filled out with, like, sorority girls buying, like, costumes for whatever, like, sorority function they have in that, like, dollar section. They're like, uh, i got to get past all this and get to the soy creamer. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm sorry, wife. <clears throat> and now back to our our regularly scheduled show. She's going to appreciate that. She is. So, cool. Well, what do we have left, guys? Well... We've I got believe we're up to the our five. Game five question, correct? Yeah. Yep. Game five question. So we will we will we will hold on to our Halloween Horror Nights information. I, I have I been think, watching the movies, by the way. Um, I think just, we might start doing that in October, just so it's more yeah. Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. And I said Halloween. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, just so you guys out there, if you want to play along, if you have uh, Directv with the movie package, you can watch Happy Death Day. Um, on demand it's on cinemax at the moment i think um trick or treat was on netflix but i don't know if it's still there i think they might have yeah. taken it down 
Okay, so yeah, and I believe there were so that's available there. Um I've also was able to watch well Halloween for I own, but if you guys want to watch it out there, we're gonna do a pretty substantial review on that, I think. Yeah, I might have to borrow that from you, Greg. Yes. Um, Happy Death Day was actually was actually really enjoyable. Like it was silly, but it was I enjoyed it. We so, actually should get together and watch one or two of them. Yeah. Okay. I I'm having a very hard time finding killer clowns from outer space for a price that I'm willing to pay for it. I was hoping to use credits or something on Amazon. I was hoping to find it somewhere for like when they put a new cover on it and sell it for five bucks at somewhere. Well, I, I think we might have a shot once October rolls around. It's, it's entirely possible that once October rolls around, because I haven't seen any of the, um, the Halloween displays yet at any of the stores. Yeah. So correct. once October rolls around, there's a chance that we'll find it on like one of those Halloween displays. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something else I watched too. Oh, I watched a uh, cult of Chucky that is available on, uh, which one? On which service? Oh, that's on Netflix as well. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying who cares that you watched it. I'm saying who cares that it's a movie. I don't know. It's got a following for for, for some reason. They're stupid. I hate that stupid thing. You said it was enjoyable. I'll I'll give it a shot. I guess I don't know. It's enjoyable in a weird way. I don't know. I like Chucky more as the psychological thing, like where Chucky will do something and then the person get another person gets blamed for it, and then they're like, "Well, it was the doll," and they're like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." I was never mm-hmm. a big Chucky fan either. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so that um, takes us into our question. Jimmy, you wrote the question. So. I did. And, yes. you know, while while making notes for this and and uh, your news that Arlston had signed on to uh, do six more books just brought me right back to reading The Werewolf of Fever Swamp. And I put down your top five Goosebump books. And then I realized that you guys are, like, super old. So... <laughs> What? What did he say? I I no. can't hear him. I'm too old. I'm kidding. Um, but no, you guys said it earlier that you guys had just missed that train a little bit. Yeah, it was it was just after the time that we would have. So would have I there. put down top five Goosebumps book covers because it would be easier for you guys to do. Uh, the these covers were done by an artist named Tim Jacobus. Yes, or Jacobus. Um, and they're great. Yeah, look up I, his work, guys. If you if you just like art, both horror and uh. There's a lot of it's the same exact word I couldn't remember last week's episode. Um, the the trippy music that I forgot. Psychedelic, yeah, psychedelic, like a lot of psychedelic artwork, like yes covers and stuff like that. But he didn't do that, but his stuff looks like it. He it's really cool, and he there's a ton of interviews with him online. I kind of actually want to get in touch. I with him. have his uh, studio's website open because I uh, I would like to talk to him as well. Yeah. So okay, top five uh goosebumps books covers i will go first and well, a lot since, of these... since goosebumps is near and dear to your heart do you want to go last yeah i think you should go last all right i'll go last i'm, I'm gonna go first this is okay weird. jimmy's like i don't i don't i don't i'm uncomfortable i don't know if i like this i don't know what to do he's rocking back and forth i actually am i'm well, sitting on my bedroom floor in the dark rocking back and forth since rob and i grew up during the great depression and they didn't <laughs> have such things as fancy books for for reading or art. Yeah. It took me a while to to log into this interweb thing and find some, but I, I looked at every single cover. A cave wall it's... can only be so long. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. A cave wall can only be so long. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. Name, it's in my biography. <laughs> That's the name of this episode. Yeah. Anyway, so I looked at all of them, and first of all, I'm going to give a, a special... I'm going to give a special notification. There, There was a book with like in smaller shorter stories i guess 
uh, special edition three and it had a um, skeleton in like a pool reading one of the books and it had a bulldog lifeguard on it so that cover really stuck out to me because i'm pro bulldog lifeguard <laughs> uh, although this is a bad idea because bulldogs tend to be very top heavy and if you throw it in the water it tends to flip over upside down and not be happy with things so i wouldn't mm. put i wouldn't actually hire a bulldog as a lifeguard just okay. but anyway my number five is say cheese and die which I don't know what the book is about, but the cover has a bunch of skeletons at a family picnic, and it made me smile. <laughs> uh, the Scarecrow Walks at Midnight. Scarecrows at the dark, lit by the moon, is just a always a cool-looking image. It's a good book. And I that one just looks awesome. Ghost Beach. Again, uh, ghosts, kind of creepy, and I really like the style of ghosts that they, the really wispy, torn-up uh, cloth kind of ghosts like they use mm-hmm. in uh, Harry Potter as for the Dementors and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And Crooked Tombstones on a Beach. Super cool looking cover. So that's Ghost Beach. Night of the Living Dummy. Ventriloquist dummies are terrifying and creepy and weird. The only thing more terrifying, creepy, and weird are actual ventriloquists. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry to say, since uh, a large majority of our listenership is actually ventriloquists. Yep. Uh, Not so anymore. We, yeah, sucks. And uh, so that one and that dummy has, of course, taken on uh, much larger part and i believe there's uh what, what's the, the dummy's name is like slappy or something and i think he's the yeah. the main thrust of the upcoming ghost uh, goosebumps movie part two mm-hmm. yep comes out in a couple weeks and number one the curse of camp cold lake uh i've always thought that there's something creepy with like skulls with like eyeballs in it like Crip creeper and just when you see like the full orb of the eye and it's like all bloodshot and staring and that one has one kind of coming out of the water coming out of a swamp and it's just or a lake i guess and it's freaky and it's gross, and I want to read that book. Mm, they're they're fun. So those are my five. Very nice, very nice. Um, I'll go ahead and go next. I I actually had uh, one or two of the same as as uh, Greg, but I think I'm going to take off Curse of Camp Cold Lake. Um, but my my number five is probably going to be Dead House. Yeah, um, I really like I really like that cover. Um, looking up at the front facade of the house, the spooky haunted house or whatever looks fantastic. I, I really like the art. Actually, that was also potentially on my list, but I pulled it off for to put Cares of Camp Coldplay. Oh. Um, my number four, I'll probably go with Ghost Beach. Again, like like with Greg, I like the I like the the ghost art, the wispy ghost, and this the setting around the tombstone with the moon in the background is fantastic. Cool. My number three is probably going to be one of the anthology stories. The um 10 spooky stories, but I liked the special edition one better. That's the one with the, uh, the house up on the hill and the ghost kind of rising from behind the, uh, not on a hill, but it's on like a cliffside overlooking a beach. You know what I mean? Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, so I'm going to go with that one. Then, um, my number, what am I on now? Two, two. My number two is probably going to be fever swamp. Yes. The werewolf of fever swamp. Um, oh, I, I like the artwork. I like um I, I just like the way it looks. But my number one, simply because it, it, it struck me when I saw the cover and it looked kind of creepy, is the barking ghost. The one with the angry dog with the red eyes uh, baring its yep. teeth at you. Yeah, that's gonna be my number one. Or barking Very ghost. Nice. Yes, the barking ghost. <laughs> That'd be funny. He's actually coming to Orlando on December twenty second. Um, that'd be great if he just got on stage and barked for 30 minutes and then walked off. 
okay with that. Okay. Uh, here are my five. So number five is stay out of the basement. The hand coming mm-hmm. out of the – it's just so great. There's so much detail on that hand. Uh, number four, The Curse of the Mummy's Tomb. Um, I also really love these books. These were my, my – these are my, also my top five Goosebumps books. So you get a twofer here. Welcome to Dead House. As Rob said, that perspective is really great. Number two, The Scarecrow Walks at Midnight. Uh, Greg said it. You know, uh, my number one is A Werewolf of Fever Swamp. Nice. So I I think it might be actually kind of easy to put together a definitive five here. Okay, let's do it. Uh, Werewolf yeah. Fever Swamp, I actually like cover two, but I saw your list and I was kind of wanting to stretch a little bit. Okay. Um, the Werewolf was, was more wolf-like, which I liked. That was number two for Rob. So how about we start with that at the top? So let's say that's number one. Ah, uh, I can give you that. Okay. Werewald, as I wrote down. Okay. I think Ghost Beach ended up on two lists. And Scarecrow that Walks at Midnight ended up on two lists as well. So which one, Rob, would you argue for number two? Um, Let's see. Ghost Beach was on two lists, but it was also in the bottom in the bottom five. I would probably okay. say that Scarecrow Walks at Midnight should be number two. All right. Because it placed higher on collectively on your two lists. Um, I would I would have to argue for the Barking Ghost at three. I mean, I know neither one of you had it, but... It was, in my opinion, it's, it was. It makes me dog's head. I thought that the dog's head was a little too big, like the dog's cranium. That's why I didn't use it because usually well, I'm it a was, pro dog. It's, it's, it's. A, it, I thought it, I just figured it was the poodle do because it looks like it was kind of a poodle. So it, w- it wasn't the head that was too big. It was the poof on top of the head. Did you say poodle do? <laughs> did I? Yes. You did. You said poodle do. It's poodle do. Therefore, it's number three. Poodle do. All right. So I, I after... never heard that term before. After Barking Ghost, I'm going to have to say that um, Welcome to Dead House. Okay. Yeah, I can do with Welcome to Dead House. And then since it was on... I think that some, you got to have the dummy in there somewhere. Speech. That's the one everyone knows it for. <sighs> well, but it's but it's also our, our, it's also our top five artwork. So, I mean, it's not necessarily um, recognition that we're going for. It's what was your top, what was your top five favorite. So creepy. It doesn't creep me out. No. Um, well, I didn't we, even think it was some of the strongest artwork. I thought I thought the other ones were better. That's why I didn't go with any of them. Well, you know, we we talked about Ghost. Are we putting that at five? You both agree on Curse Beach. of Camp or Curse of Camp Cold Lake. I would I would agree with Ghost Beach before Curse of Camp Cold Lake. And that rounds out our top five. So our definitive five Goosebumps covers done by artist Tim Jacobus. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Whom we hope to talk to maybe in October. We'll see. Number five, Ghost Beach. Number four, Welcome to Dead House. Number three, Barking Ghost. She just cracks me up. Number two, Scarecrow Walks at Midnight. And number one, my favorite Goosebumps novel of all time, Werewolf of Fever Swamp. That does it for the show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, contact us, all that stuff. Buy Goosebumps books. For me, yeah. To and, coupon. <laughs> no. Pardon me, but do you have any gray poop on? Do I have any gray I poop on what? <laughs> I always thought that was an unfortunate name. Wow. What is it? Is it mustard? It's mustard. Yeah, it's it's mustard. French mustard. Just call it French mustard. Yeah.